I don't know about you, but I have trouble remembering some things. Anybody relate to that? Maybe you have a little trouble. Birthdays, anniversaries, deadlines, anybody? I've got two kids and a wife that keep me on track, as well as people at the office. So somewhere in between, you know, life kind of happens. But I forget a lot of things. Several years after Gina and I got married, she sent me to the drugstore to pick up a prescription for her. And when I arrived at the drive-up window, the lady said, I can release her prescription to you, but you have to give me her birthday. And I said, oh, that's easy, July the 15th. And the lady said, no. (laughs) No, it's not July the 15th. And I was like, no, it is July the 15th. We've been married for three years. And the lady said, well, I can't release the prescription to you. She said, but I can call your wife and ask her to give her birthday. And I said, well, we have a problem if you do that. Because then I'm going to be in the doghouse for like two or three weeks for forgetting my wife's birthday. I was like, you can't blow my cover like that. And the lady laughed, and we talked a little bit. Finally, I convinced her to go ahead and give me the prescription. I was five days off. Her birthday is actually July the 10th. But every year since then, and we've been married a long time, I have this conversation with myself. Is my wife's birthday on July the 10th or July the 15th? It's a little confusing. But to my credit, I've never missed it. Thank goodness. You know, when it comes to our spiritual life, God has called us to remember He's called us to remember specific events, specific things that have gone on in our life, specific anniversaries, specific deadlines, because when we remember what God has done, it builds gratitude, it builds hope, and it builds faith in our life. Today I want us to wrap up this series from the book of Esther by talking about celebration. Celebration. It's interesting that all the way through the book of Esther, we see the story of God's providence. We see how God took a young Hebrew girl who was an orphan and she ascended to the throne. She became the queen of the Medo-Persian Empire. She's in a foreign land. She's a Jewish girl, but she sits on the throne of, 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 of the Medo-Persian uh, nation. She's 14 or 15 years old. Her parents had died. She was adopted by her cousin by the name of Mordecai, a great man of faith. And a sinister plot ensues several years after she's the queen. Uh, An evil man by the name of Haman devises a, a master scheme to have all of the Jews in the entire empire killed on a particular day. The Bible says he cast lots. He he, he like kind of like ancient dice. He rolled the dice and he came up with a specific day on which all of the Jews would be annihilated. And Mordecai, the adopted father of Esther, sends a message to her in the palace and tells her, you, you've been put on the throne for such a time as this. This is a great time to intervene. She goes in and she asks For the king's intervention, the king realized he's been manipulated. Um, Last week we talked about how Haman was hung on the same gallows in which he built. He built it for the demise of his enemy Mordecai. Now all of a sudden the the gallows he built, he's hanging from. The scheme is, is stopped. 
But that's not the end of the story. In fact, if you look at the latter part of Esther chapter 9 and the, the first three verses of Esther chapter 10, you see that there is a great celebration that goes on among the Jews. And I love this story because it ends with a party. And everybody loves a party. Now, Jewish people love to celebrate. Some of you are Jewish. Some of you have Jewish friends. Jewish people constantly have celebrations. I mean, it is truly amazing. I looked at a list this week of 10 celebrations that, that are a part of the Jewish calendar on a regular basis. And if you read the Old Testament, there's a whole lot more things that they celebrate. And many of the parties and festivals and, and traditions of Judaism expand beyond one day. I mean, sometimes they celebrate for several days or a week or whatever. As a kid, I grew up, I had a lot of Jewish friends and my uh, Jewish friends would always talk about Hanukkah and how they got presents for eight days in a row. And I was like, well, I'm a Christian. I just get, I just get presents on Christmas Day. Maybe I should convert to Judaism so I could get more presents. You know? It's like eight presents versus one day of presents. You know, maybe that's it. But Jewish people celebrate a lot more than Hanukkah. They celebrate the Passover and Rosh Hashanah and and uh, the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, the list goes on and on. Well, one of those great holidays is the celebration of Purim. And Purim means the lots in the Hebrew language. And it's beautiful because last week we talked about how God reverses things. The term Purim means the lots, but the Jews call this celebration of God's providence and his intervention Purim. And so they took a term that meant destruction and demise, and they turned it over, and that Purim, it, it inspired the meaning of hope and God's deliverance. Isn't that awesome? I mean, God reverses things. Sometimes it looks like our life is going this direction, and then God starts working, and things start going back like this. This is Purim. And so I want to look today a little more intently, a little deep, more deeply at the ninth chapter of the book of Esther, I want you to open your Bibles and look with me today at these scriptures about celebration. I've called the message today, Celebrate Your Story, because everybody has a story. Your life is a story. And the title of this whole series has been Storyline. But your life has a story. And God wants us to embrace the story. And to really understand the story of our life... We have to begin by celebrating the past. That is what God has done. Now look with me in verse 20 of Esther uh, chapter 9. Mordecai recorded these events and sent letters to all the Jews in all of, in all of King Ahasuerus' provinces, both near and far. And he ordered them to celebrate the 14th and 15th days of the month of Adar every year, because during those days the Jews gained relief from their enemies. That was the month when their sorrows were, were turned to rejoicing and mourning into a holiday, and they were to be days of feasting, rejoicing, and sending out gifts to one another and to the poor, and watching lots of college football, I might add. It's a great celebration that's here. And uh, so on the particular days that the, the Jewish people celebrated, this 14th and 15th day of Adar, the, the custom became to celebrate Purim. It was a two-day holiday. Um, in, in the rest of the kingdom, 
the, the Jewish people defended themselves on the 13th, and then they celebrated on the 14th, but in the capital city of Susa, they had a lot of bad guys there that were trying to take them out. So they had to fight on the 13th and the 14th, and then so they celebrated on the 15th. So Mordecai said, the Purim celebration will be on the 14th and the 15th. Let's just make it a bigger party. Let's do it two days. Now, if you remember the story, a law goes into to, to, uh, to account which allows all of the people to kill the Jews. In the Medo-Persian tradition, once a law was established and was signed off by the king, it could not be reversed. So in the early part of chapter 9, Esther's like, you know, king, husband, can you please reverse it? And he's like, I can't reverse it. But what I can do is I can create another law. And the other law said that the Jews could defend themselves. And then Mordecai used his influence to turn a lot of the governors and city officials away from the demise of the Jews. But there were still people that wanted to kill the Jews. And 75,000 people died that were not Jewish trying to take the Jews out. But the Jews won. It was a great victory, a big victory. So now in verse 20, Mordecai says, it's time to celebrate. Let's celebrate. Let's celebrate what God has done. I think this was a spontaneous celebration. Uh, obviously, if you thought you were going to die, and then a short time later you realize you're going to live, you would not have to be provoked to party, right? I, I mean, you would be calling your friends you would be jumping up and down. You would be playing some music. You would be eating your favorite foods. Nobody would have to tell you, you need to celebrate now. This, this is just a spontaneous reaction of the Jews to, to, to what has happened. Now remember, the theme of the book of Esther is the providence of God. Nothing in our life happens by accident. God has a purpose for every single thing that transpires. God has a reason. And... This tragedy has now turned into a great triumph. And I love this part here in uh, verse 21 and 22 where it says their sorrows were turned into rejoicing. I mean, you know, when you can look back over the history of your life, you will see that God will take your sorrows and he will turn them into rejoicing. That is how great God really is. Uh, Romans 8.28 says God takes all things and he turns them together for our good. Right? Did you know God can even use the mistakes that you've made in the past? I mean, that's how big that God is. God can reverse things that look unreversible. God had a reason. God had a purpose why you grew up in that family. God had a reason why you, why you went to that school. God had a purpose why you endured that experience. Nothing happens by accident. It is all a part of the providential plan of God. And the more that we can begin to see God's handiwork in our life, the more that we will begin to celebrate who we are. Listen, God has made you as a special person. You're special. You're unique. There is nobody on planet earth that is exactly like you. God had a plan. It's time that we quit trying to be everybody else and we just become who God has made us to be. And part of that is looking at the past and seeing 
the handiwork of God and how God has brought us through things because God has truly brought our sorrows and he has turned them into rejoicing. Do you see it? One of the ways uh, in which the preservation of the Jews, uh, the people celebrated, the people still celebrate uh, Purim. They read the entire book of Esther. Okay, so when the Jewish people get together and they celebrate the holiday, they bust out the Old Testament. And they read the story, all ten chapters. It may take a while. And every time the name Haman is mentioned, everybody boos and hisses. All right, maybe we could try that. How about this? You want to give it a shot? Okay, Haman. There you go. Oh, you guys got it. Y'all be good Jews. That's good. That's real good. Yeah. They have little rattlers that they hit and all that. And uh, people dress up in costumes. You know, a lot of times they're like Esther or Mordecai or Haman. And they, they eat. And uh, Purim is, is like the funnest holiday of the Jewish calendar. Like, it's, it's like the best. Because everybody thought they were going to die. But then God turned the sorrow into rejoicing. And so it is just, it's just pure fun. It really is. It's a beautiful thing. And these activities... Uh, remind people what God has done. Now, we need to look back over the history of our life and we need to celebrate some things because guess what? When you celebrate things, you remember them. Amen? It's true. In the Christian calendar, we have Easter and Christmas. Those are probably the two parts of the scripture that most people know the best, right? Like even if you're not a Christian, you probably know who the nativity scene is, right? Because you saw it in your neighbor's front yard. Or even if you don't even believe in the resurrection of Jesus, you know that's what Easter's about. I mean, come on. What we celebrate is what we learn. And if we would celebrate more of what God is doing in our life, we would learn more about him. We would know more about him. And we ought to celebrate the great milestones of our lives. Amen? Like, I think in my own life, I'm so busy moving on to the next thing that sometimes I don't slow down enough to really, like, enjoy what God is doing today. It's like if you eat a really good meal and you want to just savor, you want to just savor the taste. You don't even want to swallow because it tastes so good, you know? Well, we need to look back at the past, and, and, and we ought to have a spiritual calendar, man, with these milestones on it. Okay, um, maybe a goal for you might be to read the whole Bible. Some of you do that every year. Others of you would like to do that. I think every Christian ought to read the Bible at least one time, right? To read through all the books, amen? I finished a couple of weeks ago um, reading through the whole Bible, and I read on the Bible app. Some of you have that on your phone, and they give badges and awards like when you win, and I'm totally into badges, I was looking at it last night. I was like so proud of myself. I was like, this is awesome. So I signed up for some of the five-day reading plans because you get badges for those too. I was like, oh, that's a lot easier than reading the whole Bible, okay? Milestones. We ought to, we ought to celebrate those milestones. When you want to see a friend come to Christ, um, that's a milestone. Man, we ought to celebrate that. We ought to write that day down. We ought to remember what God has done. I was talking with, uh, with a grandparent not too long ago, and he said, Ryan, all of my grandkids have given their lives to Christ. It was, it, was like a, it was like a goal for him. It was awesome. 
And we celebrate it. We rejoice. We have a calendar. We write down on the calendar. We have down the, the kids' uh, days that they accepted Christ and the day that they were baptized. And, you know, it's not like a huge party, but we do go to Dairy Queen on those days. You know, because I want my kids to remember. Uh, I gave my life to Christ on June the 4th. So every summer I'm thinking about that commitment, that decision I made as an 8-year-old boy. We need to look back. We need to look back at what God has done so we can look forward. Okay, and we'll get to that in just a moment. Look at those milestones. What about the day that God answered that huge prayer request? What about that moment that you got the huge breakthrough? What about that, the day that the great opportunity happened? We need to write those things down so we can celebrate them, so we can remember them, because it gives us faith and hope in the future, and it gives us gratitude in the present. And that's what we need so much. A couple of the dates for our church. September 13, 2009 was the day we launched Edge Church. I love that Sunday. It's a Sunday after Labor Day. Love that. November 24, 2013 is the day we moved into this building. About this time of year. It's beautiful. I remember it. Maybe for you it's the day that you got sober. You know in AA you get those chips? And I have people tell me sometimes, Pastor, I've been sober for 30 days. And I'm like, awesome. Let's celebrate. I've been sober 90 days. Why does AA help people celebrate those, those momentous occasions? Because they don't want people to forget and to go back to the old way of living. It's awesome. We need to celebrate. We need to celebrate. This is a biblical thing. When the children of Israel crossed over the Jordan River to conquer the promised land, what did they do? They built a structure. Joshua had them take stones from the river Jordan because God had pushed the waters back. So they grabbed the stones and they built a structure. Why did they do it? Because generations later, people could say, Mom, Dad, what are those stones over there? Let me tell you the story. Let me tell you what God did. God parted the waters and more than a million people crossed over on dry land right there. Wow, really that happened? Yes. Could God do something miraculous in my life today? Oh, I think he can. I think he can. We need to look back. And it builds faith and it builds hope and it builds gratitude. There's also a second thing we find here in Esther chapter 9. That is that we ought to celebrate the present. They fought on the 13th day of the month of Adar and rested on the 14th. And it became a day of feasting and rejoicing but the Jews in Susa had assembled on the 13th and 14th days of the month, and they rested on the 15th day of the month, and it became a day of feasting and rejoicing. This is where we get the two-day holiday of Purim. They, they celebrated on the 14th and the 15th. Those were the day after those victories were won, and they celebrated in the present. But I want you to see a couple of things in particular here. Number one, the people had to fight for their freedom. Did you know to be free, you have to do battle? If you're truly going to have freedom in your life, there, there's a spiritual battle that is raging all around us. I'm going to get into this more next week with the kickoff of my new series called Backtalker. We're going to talk about talking back to the devil. And I want you to be back next week for that powerful series. But there's a spiritual battle that's all around us. 
And, and if you want to be a person that's victorious, if you want to be a person that really has something to celebrate, you got to fight. You, you got to roll up your sleeves and get to work sometimes. Amen? I mean, it's a battle out there. It's a battle. There's always a battle before there's a celebration. So the Jews fight a battle, and then they have a massive party. And they begin to just do this in the present. They, they do it in the present. There's, there's so many things to celebrate today. Uh, is God setting you free? Is he giving you peace? Is he giving you strength? Is he showing you direction? Uh, and if you're looking at your life and you're thinking, well, God's really not doing anything in my life. Well, why don't you just ask him? Lord, would you do something in my heart today? Would you do something in my life? Would you, would you put something in me or on me that I should start to celebrate? And just see what begins to happen. God will begin to move your heart today. We should be excited to come together in corporate worship with all these wonderful people. I mean, in the present, man. Like, let's don't be making our grocery list for the day. Man, we're here to worship the Most High God. Let's don't be checking the scores at the NFL, you know. Who's on the injury reserve this afternoon? Man, we've come to do business with God. And in the present, we want to be in the moment. We want to be in the moment. We don't want to be like robots that are just going through the motion, checking boxes off, doing certain things. Man, when we come to worship God, we come to do the highest and the holiest thing of all. And he deserves all of our attention and all of our heart and all of our aspiration. When we get down on our knees and we pray at home, be fully there. Don't be in three places at once. Can you imagine this spontaneous celebration that broke out? Can you imagine the playlist at the first Purim celebration? I would imagine that the American authors were singing, It's the Best Day of My Life. Whitney Houston was probably singing, I want to dance with somebody. Pharrell was singing, happy. MC Hammer was singing, can't touch this. Cool and the gang was singing, celebrate good times, come on. How about that? The Bee Gees, they were singing, staying alive. Queen was singing, we are the champions. I mean, that was the playlist at the first Purim celebration. That's pretty good. It's pretty good, man. Pretty good. We ought to celebrate our progress in the present. See, you, you are a work in progress. You're not all that God wants you to be, but you're, in a, you're on a journey. Celebrate the progress. You don't have to always get to the final destination to celebrate. Celebrate the progress. It's not just the end goal, but it's also how you get there. Some of you have started serving on a team here at the church, and you're progressing. You're, you're growing spiritually. Others of you, maybe you haven't really been going to church that much. Maybe you've been in like the once a quarter club. But God's been speaking to you, and you're coming to church like two or three times a month. Celebrate the progress. Beautiful. That's how we embrace the present. You signed up to get baptized. Your faith is, is greater than it's ever been before. Your dependence on God is growing. You're making progress. See, a lot of times we look back on the past events of our life and we get frustrated. 
lot of people don't want to think about the past because we see all the mistakes that we made and we get frustrated with the choices that we that, that we decided and, and, and we want to go back and redo that. But did you know that God is so big that God can even use the mistakes that you made? That's why Romans 8.28 says God's working all things together for your good. For those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So we can celebrate the progress. We can celebrate the blessings. The blessings. And finally we ought to celebrate the future. That's what God will continue to do. What God will continue to do. Keep celebrating. In the present, I should get excited about the future. Now, how can I celebrate the future if I don't know what the future is going to be? You can celebrate the future because you know who God is. You know the character and the heart and the nature of God. So you, you don't have to know all the details. Like, what's going to happen with this one thing? If I just knew the future, I would sell it. No. You know that God is good. You know that God is love. You know that God has your best interests at heart. It's going to be good. We ought to wake up in the morning excited about the future because we believe in a great God. We believe in a great God. We do. We celebrate the future. What God will continue to do. And what God will continue to do in the future is what God has always done. You see, th this celebration of Purim was not just about a Jewish holiday. This was about the faithfulness of God. Don't you know that if you, if you celebrate God's faithfulness, that, that it gives you the courage and the strength that you need to face future challenges in the days ahead. The Jewish people were like, well, we almost got exterminated and God showed up. So maybe God could help me find a job. You know, like that's small potatoes, right? We thought we were all going to be annihilated. <laughs> Our worry list begins to kind of shrink. That's why Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow, right? Don't worry about tomorrow, because why? Tomorrow's got enough problems of its own. You know, he, now we can get excited about tomorrow, but we shouldn't worry about tomorrow. Because then you start playing the what if game. And you open Pandora's box of all these thoughts. Well, what about this? Well, what if she said that? Well, what if this happened? You know, and you lose your mind. But we're excited about the future. Because we're excited about a great God. And we have seen God do great things in the past. So we expect God to do great things in the future. That's what it is. Yeah. Now look at this verse here in uh, verse 27. The Jews bound themselves, their descendants, and all who joined with them to a commitment that they would not fail to celebrate these two days each and every year according to the written instruction and according to the time appointed. These days are remembered and celebrated by every generation and family, province and city, so that these days of Purim will not lose their significance in Jewish life and memory will not, fa uh, will not fade from their descendants. In other words, like it wasn't just the people that saw this event happen, it was subsequent generations. 2,500 years later, people are still celebrating Purim. The celebration has 
has continued all these generations. Don't forget it. Don't forget it. God is unchanging. And we should celebrate what we know, not what we don't know. And we wake up in the morning with that holy anticipation. We, man, I want to wake up every morning going, man, what, what's God going to do today? Yeah. I'm excited. What's God going to do tomorrow? I have no idea. Lord, what are you going to do? I'm ready. I'm ready. What do you got for me today? Tell me, Lord, what is it? And God is responsible for your future. So it relieves the stress. See, a lot of people are writing their own storyline and trying to figure out how to get God on board with the version of their life that they think they should have. You know what that's a recipe for? Frustration, disillusionment, confusion. How many of us have tried to write our own story? Some of us are like, I'm a really good creative writer, you know, like, I figured this all out, Lord. This is where I'm supposed to be this year. Next year, I'm supposed to be here. I got it all figured out. Let me save you a lot of grief and heartache. Quit trying to write your own story and find out the storyline of God that he has for your life. And by the way, his purposes and his plans are always better than yours anyway. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration, plans for your well-being, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. I mean, does that sound good? Esther had no idea what God had planned for her. She's like a teenage girl, and all of a sudden, she's the queen. Do you think Moses had any idea that God would use his life to deliver the Israelite people from Egypt? No way, man. He fled at the age of 40 because he had killed the Egyptian guard. He thought he was never going back to Egypt. And when he saw that, when he had that burning bush experience at the age of 80, then he's thinking, man, I'm too old to do anything. God's like, no, you're just getting started. 80, finally you're ready, Moses, to step into your destiny, you know? I've been working on you. Moses had a lot of rough edges. God had to work on him for 80 years to get him ready. And then it took him 40 more to get the children of Israel in, into the, to the edge of the promised land where Joshua finally led them into it. Did Moses ever had any, have any idea what God was going to do in his life? But God had written the story. Did Joshua ever believe that he would be the one to take the people into the land of promise? God had a storyline. Did Abraham ever think that he would be the father of a great nation? No, he was just a normal guy in Ur of the Chaldees. And God used him because God had a story. God had a story. And God is always reversing things. In fact, God is reversing. He's taking our sin and he's turning it into salvation. He, he's turning our mess into messages and our sorrows into celebrations. And he's reversing our our. our our greatest tests and turning them into testimonies and he's reversing our vices and he's turning those into victories. This is why the future is bright. This is why we should live with so much anticipation. Um, the reason that we get excited about a baptism here at Edge Church is because baptism is remembering what Jesus has done. 
When somebody goes underneath the water, what is that a picture of? Spiritual death, right. Like Jesus was in the tomb. I go underneath the water, I'm dead. Then I'm raised up in the new life. Why are people celebrating? Why are people clapping? We're remembering what Jesus has done. We're we're celebrating the fact that Jesus has saved sinners and changed lives. Uh, The Lord's Supper is the same thing. Uh, We we, we remember the death of Jesus and his, his atoning sacrifice in and through the elements, right? We remember. We don't want to forget. I think that's why Jesus told us in the, at the Last Supper, don't stop taking these elements, man, because you got to remember. you got to remember. And when you remember, then you can celebrate. And when you celebrate, then you can be victorious, okay? Then you can find the purpose that God has. God wins in the end. God always wins. That's why we don't have to be afraid of the future, because God wins. We know the end of the story. God's the winner. God has helped me. Now, I love this. This whole book wraps up right here in verse 3 of chapter 10. Mordecai the Jews. Mordecai the Jew was second only to King Ahasuerus. He was famous among the, the Jews and highly esteemed by many of his relatives. He continued to pursue prosperity for his people and to speak for the well-being of all his descendants. Whenever God promotes you, it is always so that you can help somebody else. That's what we ought to look forward to in the future. God, you've helped me, now who can I serve? So Mordecai used the platform that was given to him by God. God is the one that elevated Mordecai. Mordecai didn't elevate himself. God put him there. And then Mordecai used the the platform that he had been given by God to help others. So when God elevates you, it's always so you can serve and be a blessing. Do you see it? Mordecai is so grateful for God's intervention. He's like, man, I'm just thankful to be alive. Who can I help? You know? And and, and, and that in the future, that's, that's always something that we look forward to is like, who can I help? Who can I encourage? Who can I be a blessing to? We ought to celebrate the past. We ought to celebrate the present. We ought to celebrate the future. Because God has a great story for our life. Would you pray with me?